Now, we're going to start a new series today. I'm really excited about that. It's called The Voice. We're going to talk about recognizing the, the voice of, of God in the next five weeks. And this is the foundational message today. And it's a very important one because how many of you, you've heard people like me or other Christians say, God spoke to me or God told me. Anybody heard that one before? And how many of you within that say, well, man, God never speaks to me. I'm not, anybody ever feel like God never speaks to you, but he's speaking to everybody else? Raise your hand if that's true. Okay, good. I'm going to just eliminate those ideas there so you understand that God's speaking to you all the time, my friends. It's just a very practical thing. I'm going to demystify it over the weeks and stuff. It's going to be a really cool experience altogether uh, today. But um, I, I want to share that, uh, you know, when people say, I, I heard uh, or God told me this, um, when I say that, I'm not saying that I heard a voice. Um, there are Christians who say they've heard the voice, they hear voices, and I, we've locked them up already. So we're, we're, no, I'm just joking. But I've never heard a voice. Some Christians have heard the voice of God. I never have, personally. And it doesn't make me less than or this or that. Uh, I really got, um, about six months ago, I don't know if you remember this story in the news, uh, Vice President Mike Pence, he makes a statement, because he's a Christian man, strong Christian man. He said that he only speaks what Jesus tells him to say. And then on The View, which I don't watch The View, it's not my, kind of, not my cup of tea, but they said, Joy Behar said that he, Mike Pence hears voices like that. I mean, he, 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 he's, he, he believes, belongs like in a mental institution or something. And I, and I really took offense to that because she's really putting down the fact that Christians can hear God's voice. And then I thought, well, she doesn't really understand what we mean when we say God spoke to us. And many Christians don't understand that either. And so I want to break it down and make it very clear. 30 years ago or thereabouts, I was at a seminar or somewhere, and a man made this statement about hearing the voice of God and how God speaks to us. And I never forgot it, and it made perfect sense, and it's very practical. So I'm going to give you the statement, and I'm going to use it periodically in the series. And here's what he said. He said, the Holy Spirit lands thoughts upon our mind. Does that make sense? Say it with me. The Holy Spirit. Okay, you're not, you guys are not even talking over there. And that's my good ear, okay? Here we go, try it again. The Holy Spirit lands thoughts upon my mind. Try it one more time. The Holy Spirit lands thoughts upon my mind. Let me tell you why that made so much sense. Because you and I, as followers of Christ, you may not believe this, but you have had multiple burning bush experiences where God is speaking to you. The Holy Spirit lives in you as a follower. You're the temple of the Spirit of God. And if he lives in, within me, it makes sense that he speaks within me to me. Amen to that one? If he's in here and I'm the temple, if he's inside, he'll speak within me to me. That means my mind is Holy Spirit user-friendly that he will drop thoughts upon my mind with regularity in my life. And that's what we're talking about in this series. And I want you by the end of it or each week to say, yeah, God is speaking to me. Yeah, I'm learning to recognize the voice of God in my life. I want you to be so in tune with it that by the end of it, you'll be like the Old Testament uh, uh, patriarchs of the Old, Old Testament scriptures where they say, Lord, your servant is here. Speak to me. 
and they knew the voice of God. And every one of us should be able to recognize that, walk in that. It will give you so much more confidence in your life when you know you're walking in the will of God because how many know when you step out, it never turns out exactly the way you thought. Any amens? But you'll stay the course even though it's not working out the way you thought immediately, but you believe and you know that God spoke to you because your mind is Holy Spirit, user friendly. The Holy Spirit lands thoughts upon my mind and you will walk in those things. And I think the espresso just kicked in. Amen to that one. <laughs> Praise the Lord. Mm. That hot white chocolate mocha is so good. Here's our key verse for the series. Read it with me. John 10, 27, it says, My sheep hear my voice, and I know them, and they follow me. That's Jesus speaking. Now, how many of you have ever heard that sheep are pretty dumb? Raise your hand if you know. Well, the sheep he's talking about are guess who? It's us. Have you ever made any stupid, dumb decisions in your life? Ever said anything dumb? Ever said anything dumb out loud? Ever, raise your feet up. Raise both arms. We've all done that. We're sheep, guys. My sheep. He says, they hear my voice. We hear the voice of our leader, Jesus Christ. We know that voice. He knows us, and we follow him. And that's Christianity in a nutshell. But that's faith, my friends. And so here's our tagline for the series. Watch it. It's Jesus is speaking. Are we listening? Are we listening? That's right. Are we listening? So let me give you an example of what I mean by, uh, what I mean by the voice of God recognizing. I'm wearing a wireless mic. There's a wire that comes off the mic, and it goes right into my brain. No, it really doesn't. It goes down. It's in between my T-shirt and my button shirt, and it goes down to a pack I'm wearing on my hip. From there, as I speak, it sends a signal on a frequency to the board back there. There's a receiver back there, and it catches that. It leads it into the soundboard, and then it's pumped back out, amped out into the speaker's ear, and you hear my voice. There is no wire connecting me to that or that to me, but it's traveling. The reason why it can connect is it's because it's on the same frequency. Let me tell you as a believer what you need to settle in your life. You, as a follower of Christ, you have the Spirit of God living in you, and therefore, just by that, you are on the same frequency with God. Now, some of you are going to say, no, I messed up this, I'm not living quite right. If the Spirit is still in you, which He is, you're still on the same frequency. Say amen to that one right there. You're on the same frequency with God, and you've got to just believe that, that God wants to drop thoughts, land thoughts upon your mind. Now, put Revelation 2.29 up on the screen for me. Now, watch this. It says, he who has an How many have an ear? Okay, good, good. How many? Oh, no, I'm just joking. Uh, you know, I'm an instigator. But let him hear what the Spirit says to the church. In other words, he's saying this. Look, if you have an ear, you've got to pay attention. It's not just like, well, I can walk. No, you've got to listen to what God is telling you. So it's going to take some effort on our side to recognize the voice of God. So like I said before, I'm going to demystify it. I'm going to break it down simple in five weeks. You're going to know how practically God speaks to you in your life. Now, here's two key truths, and we'll get at some bullet points. First key truth today is this one. In your notes, Jesus knows you and calls you by name. You could say, glory to God on that one, huh? 
Jesus knows you, and he calls you by name. Now, turn in your Bibles to uh, John chapter 20, if you would, if you have it on your phone app there too. If not, it will be up on the screen if you're at home. Uh, I don't know what you're doing over there, but anyway, turn your Bible there. Before I read these verses here, no, this is Mary Magdalene. And this is after the resurrection, and she has come to the tomb after the resurrection. Um, and by the way, how many of you know in this room, if you don't, you're going to learn something here. You know that in biblical times, that the shepherds and the sheep, if they didn't have a large flock, did you know that they would give each sheep a name, a personal name? How many knew that? Did you know that? It's an interesting thing, and it's a picture of Jesus, and he knows every follower of Christ by name. If you're not a follower of Christ, he still knows you by name. And he still can speak to you, as we'll talk about as we go along. But watch the story after the resurrection. Verse 10. So the disciples went away, Peter and John. They came to the tomb, ran, and they ran again to their own houses. But Mary, Mary Magdalene, was standing outside the tomb weeping. So as she wept, she stooped and looked into the tomb. And she saw two angels in white sitting one at the head and one at the feet because they would be carved out rock slabs carved out of this tomb of rock. So there's an angel here, an angel there. Where the body of Jesus had been lying. It's a magnificent verse, guys. If you've ever seen a picture of the Ark of the Covenant in the Old Testament, the very top of the lid is an angel on one side with the wing spread, and the other side there's a wing spread, and the, and the priest would sprinkle the blood on top what's called the mercy seat. You have an angel here on one side, one on the other side where Jesus was, was lying. You know there had to be blood there. It's a picture of the mercy seat. It's a picture of the Ark of the Covenant. It's a picture of what God is doing in the redemption and the saving of mankind. How many think that's a cool thing right there? Praise the Lord, man. I'm glad somebody's excited about that because I'm pumped. Verse 13. And they said to her, here's the angels are speaking. Woman, not a negative term, very endearing term. Why are you weeping? She said to them, because they've taken away my Lord and I do not know where they have laid him. Let me tell you what that means. It means that her and none of the disciples believed that Jesus was going to rise from the dead. They ran to the tomb that day, not expecting a resurrection. They're just fascinated the tomb was empty. None of them expected that. None of them even believed that yet. Not until he starts appearing to them. So don't make the disciples and followers bigger than, bigger than life. They're normal. They had their doubts. Now, verse 14. When she had said this, she turned around and saw Jesus standing there and did not know that it was Jesus because she doesn't believe he's risen from the dead. Jesus said to her, woman, endearing term, why are you weeping? Whom are you seeking? Supposing Jesus to be the gardener. Don't forget that. I'll bring it back at the end of the message. She said to him, sir, if you, had carried him, if you have carried him away, meaning I don't believe he's risen from the dead, it's a dead body. If you've carried him away, tell me where you have laid him and I will take him away. You think she could really carry the body of Jesus by herself? No, but that's what love says. Love says, I'll go beyond myself for God. That's what love always says. Verse 16, Jesus said to her, 
Mary. She turned and said to him in Hebrew, Rabboni. You notice I did the Mexican, Rabboni. Which, which means teacher. Jesus said to her, Stop clinging to me, for I have not yet ascended to the Father, but go to my brethren and say to them, I ascend to my Father and your Father and my God and your God. Guys, he says Mary. He says her name. Listen to me, somebody near that you think you're so far from God or God's far from you or you've done whatever, whatever. God knows you by name. Isaiah the prophet says this about that. 49.16, up on the screen, please. He says, behold, I have inscribed you on the palms of my hands. Your walls are continually before me. Now, wait, 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 wait. He's saying that God has inscribed our names, and the idea is to cut into stone or cut into metal. It means to hack. God is, he's got, it's metaphorically speaking, because God is a spirit, but he's given us imagery that we can understand that our names are inscribed in God's hands. Hands, because you always look at your hands. How many of you, when you, either you did it or your kids did it, you laid cement at the house, and what did you do before the cement dried? Put your hands in there, or you put the names in there, and you put the date. So every time you walk by, it's in the cement, is it not? That's the imagery that God is telling us that it were inscribed in his hands, never to be forgotten. Now, I want you to think of it like this. How many of you, let me finish, let me make the statement, then you raise your hand. How many of you have ever dated someone, fell in love, thought, this is it, you got a tattoo of their name? <laughs> and, this, and then you break up. Anybody? Raise your hand. Break up. I'm, I'm always curious how many foolish people, I mean, how many people. And now you're stuck with that name, huh? Praise the Lord, they now have tattoo artists that can cover up that name, right? Well, it wasn't Gertrude, it's Gloria, you know. <laughs> but uh, they can make it look like it's never there. It changes the name. Let me tell you something about God. You, you, when it comes to your name in God's hand, you, you can't unfollow it. You can't delete it. You can't uh, white it out. Now, I'll explain later what white it out means. Some of you don't know what that means. You, you can't. It's just your name is inscribed and God knows your name. Let me tell you something happened in Bethlehem last week that I'm very proud of. I was in a place there, and I was talking to the one lady behind the counter, and I think because it's Bethlehem, it's run uh, controlled by the Palestinians, and believe it or not, it's cement walled up in the exterior. And our guide, our Jewish guide, cannot really lead tours in there. He's got to be away from us, and, and we t- pick up a Palestinian guide in there. So we go in the store there, and... Uh, I asked the girl behind the counter, and I can't remember if she was an Armenian Christian or Palestinian, but I think she was Armenian, so I'm going to say it was Aramaic they speak, which they do, which was the language Jesus spoke. Your Bible's written Greek, Hebrew, and part of Daniel's Aramaic. Um, but I asked her, I go, in your language, how do you say the name Jimmy? And she said, Jimmy. <laughs> That's it? And then she goes, well, you could say it's Jamil. And then I, she goes, you know what it means? I go, no. And she goes, it means beautiful. <laughs> so 
So I instantly called over Pastor Aaron and Lindsay, and I said, could you tell them what my name means? And there she says, it means beautiful. I go, call me beautiful. That had nothing to do with the message, but I just had to say it. God, your name is inscribed on God's name. God knows your name, my friend, and you better believe it. The second key truth is this one. We must learn to sort out Jesus' voice from conflicting voices. Would you say amen on that one? Now watch this. If you have your Bible, turn to Matthew chapter 28. Now watch this. This is after resurrection also. Matthew 28, when you're there, say, hey, I'm there. One person, praise the Lord. Okay, Matthew 28. Either on your phone, Bible, or up on the screen. Here it goes. Verse 11 to 15. Now, while they were on their way, see, see, they have a problem, these religious people, because the tomb's empty, and they don't want anybody to think that Jesus could have possibly risen from the dead. The guards, Roman guards have been guarding it by Pontius Pilate. They sit in rows of four, and they sit in ways you can't get around them. So this resurrection is supernatural stuff. Now, while they were on their way, some of the guard came into the city, and reported the chief priests all that had happened. And when they had assembled with the elders and consulted together, they gave a large sum of money to the soldiers. They're going to buy off the soldiers. Here's what they tell the soldiers to say. And said, you are to say, his disciples came by night and stole him away while we were asleep. I got a question. When you're asleep, do you know of anything that's going on around you? How do you know the body's stolen away? We were asleep, but we know it happened. Really? No, no, it's just a lie. And if this should come to the governor's ears, Pilate, we will win him over and keep you out of trouble. Because Pilate, basically at this moment of life, he was pretty much a weenie man, okay? Let me just put it that way. He was a tough guy originally, but the Jews had him under the thumb because he made too many mistakes with them. And they took the money and did as they'd been instructed. And this story was widely spread among the Jews and is to this day. Here's my point out of the story. Did these people state what really happened to Jesus or it was a contradictory story? Okay, that was a really easy question. I just read the whole thing. Okay. It's a conflicting story, isn't it? Jesus rose from the dead, but they're saying no. Say that the disciples came and stole the body. It's a conflicting story. There's a lot of conflicting voices out there, aren't there? Okay, let me go back in time. Let me take you to my era of time, because I was a teenager back in the 90s, and it was a really cool time. In the 70s. Remember, how many of you remember way back in the 70s, all we had was AM, FM radio? But of course we had 8-tracks, but if you didn't have cardboard, it'd be like... Some of you know what I mean by that. But AM, FM radio. And so we thought we were really cool with our AM, FM radio because we didn't have Spotify or anything or download our music. But we had AM, FM radio. And every so often, one of our favorite songs would come on. And I, you'd be driving along and say, I'm driving my 67 GTO because I thought I was cool. And all of a sudden, say, I'm listening to you know, Black Sabbath or something because I'm you know, paranoid. Doom, doom, do, 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 and then you remember when you get to a point, you'd be driving somewhere and you'd be out of the range of the radio station. Anyone remember that? And then you'd be in range of another radio station. And all of a sudden, instead of doom, 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 do
Remember those? And then you, remember you drive through the desert, you always run to these Spanish stations, anybody remember that? Do Spanish people live in the desert? What's going on here? But there'd be two conflicting voices coming at you from two radio stations because you're in the middle of the territory right there. Let me tell you, that's the way it is. And that's our biggest problem when it comes to uh, recognizing the voice of God, conflicting voices. Let me give you some. Social conditioning. The way the culture thinks. Be careful because the culture doesn't think like this. And so you better know this or you're going to make a lot of mistakes. Also, Besides social conditioning, we have political correctness. Be careful, because what I hear in political correctness, and I've been reading this for 40 years, it doesn't line up with political correctness and vice versa. Be careful. Let me give you another one. Whatever party you're with, Democrat, Republican, Independent, Unitarian, be careful you don't drink all the Kool-Aid and think just because your party says that, that's it. No, this is what's right. And you be careful with that kind of stuff. See, people say Christianity is not a thinking person sport. Oh, yeah, it is. Oh, yeah, it is. You got to think about these things. You got to think about what it says and what you're going to believe here. Let me tell you the, the, the most conflicting uh, uh, voice out there when it comes to recognizing the voice of God. It's myself. It's yourself. We can talk ourselves in anything, can't we? I mean, I can tell, I can convince myself this is God's will and go ahead and do it and make a mess of it again. I mean, haven't you ever heard, the, I'll give you a regular one with Christians. They, they're getting a divorce, they're not divorced yet, but they're already dating somebody else. And they say, God told them it's okay. You're not divorced yet. But they all know God, God would never go against what he says. Are you following me? Because you got real quiet on that one right there. My, it's my own voice. I got to be careful with that. I'm, and don't be afraid to say this out loud around me, but I'm always leery of this, and I like to ask some questions. When I hear somebody say about decisions they made, they go, I prayed about it. I'd always like to ask, what do you mean you prayed about it? Tell me what that means. What does that sound? What does that look like? Because I know in a few cases I've heard over the years, basically we spent 20 seconds talking to God about what we're going to do and feel like, I feel like it's Okay. I spent my 20 seconds talking to God. Now I'm going to go do it. And you might be sitting there thinking, that is not the will of God, my friend. Anybody know what I'm talking about? You got to be careful. Look, when it's a major decision in life, I think God gives us wisdom and all. I don't have to pray if I'm going to go to the Galleria or watch Endgame for the 17th time. Thank you for that clap out there. I don't have to, I, I got enough wisdom to know, you know. But when it comes to bigger decisions, life-changing decisions, you better spend time in prayer, which means sit before God, let the thoughts land upon your mind, then fast, then fast again, maybe a couple weeks later, then spend more time than fast, because you'll find this later in a message we're going to talk on, that if it is God's will speaking to you, it, it will not go away. It will be very strong in you, and it will line up with what this says. Any amens on that one right there? So be careful with those things right there. So, okay, I'm glad you're excited, because I am too. Now, four bullet points to recognize the voice of God. These are very practical statements. First off, you got to be desperate for Him. If you're going to recognize the voice of God in your notes, you got to be desperate for God. Put Revelation 3.17 up on the screen. Now, watch this. It's Jesus speaking uh, to the church at Laodicea, and He makes a negative statement, because He always, in these seven churches in Revelation, gives a positive, then He gives a negative, a corrective statement. Here's a corrective statement. He says to them, 
He's speaking this to Christians. Wait, where'd it go? There it is. I thought I was seeing things. But you say, I am rich, and I've become wealthy, and have need of nothing, and you do not know that you are wretched, and miserable, and poor, and blind, and naked. It's breaking God's heart. Because what are they saying? I got a great job. I got plenty of money. I own my house. I got a boat. I got cars. I got this. I got that. I got everything I need. God says, be careful with all that stuff. Because you're going to edit me right out of your life. And I'm the one that gave you that stuff. Let me show you what he's saying. Listen, listen, listen. Because if you jump from verse 17... Three verses forward to verse 20, it's the famous verse where Jesus says this. Behold, I stand at the door and knock. If any man will open the door, meaning the doorknobs on the inside of our heart. If any man will open the door, I will come in and sup with him, fellowship with him, and he with me. Let me tell you, put it together. Jesus is warning me. And he's saying, Jim, if you are self-driven, and you think you've got life together, and you think you don't need me so much anymore, what you are really doing is you're treating me and making me an outsider. And I want to be in your life. Let me tell you something about recognizing the voice of God. If you and I are not desperate for that voice of God, we're never going to hear the voice of God. We're going to miss that thing, and we're going to make some mistakes. Because you see... There's a big difference between a good idea and a God idea. Amen. Good ideas are good, but a God idea, it's bigger than that. It's better than that. And when it's a God idea, it's neither boring, neither bland, nor predictable. It's pushing you, and it stretches you, and the glory of God is attached to it. And I'll get into that in a second, some more. Now, the second bullet point is this one. Know that God isn't angry with you. Know that God isn't angry with you. Now, I, I, I got a question. How many of us in this room, you honestly, 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 at, uh, on a somewhat regular basis, you kind of feel and think that God's mad at you? Raise your hand. Because we want to just get this out of the way now. Raise your hand. Be honest. Okay, okay. God's mad at you. Okay. okay. No, he's not. No, he's not. You see, guilt, condemnation, and a feeling that I'm so unworthy that God couldn't speak to me, that will hinder you from ever recognizing the voice of God. God's not angry. Let me show you what God says about these things. Put up Hebrews 9.14 that says this. How much more will the blood of Christ, and the blood of Christ is precious, who through the eternal spirit offered himself without blemish to God. In other words, he was sinless. Cleanse your conscience from dead works to serve a living God. The blood of Jesus washes it all away. The blood of Jesus cleanses it all. There's therefore now no condemnation for those in Christ Jesus. God's not mad at you. You may say, I'm unworthy. It doesn't matter. Jesus is worthy. But Jim, I blew it this week. It's okay. You're under the blood. And he still loves you and he's still speaking to you. Even when your children are not perfect, you still speak to them, don't you? Yeah. And how much more God then speaks to you and loves you? Let me tell you a secret about God. 
God just doesn't talk to Christians. God talks to non-Christians. Any amens on that one? I was at a Assemblies of God. I'm an Assemblies of God ordained minister. I was at a, 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 a seminar or a network council last month. And one night, the key speaker was a, a, an Assemblies of God pastor from Amman, Jordan. And I just happened to be there, you know, yesterday, the day before. But he spoke and he said this. He said, God is reaching Muslim people in that part of the world. And then he makes this statement. He says, and here's how he's doing a lot of it. He is giving these Muslim men, speaking to men, appearing to these men in their dreams. And when those dreams happen, they take it as real. And it changes their life. And they give their life to God. And God is speaking to not just Christians, but to non-Christians. And he speaks to you. And he's not angry with you. Amen? Now, the third one is, you can clap on that one. It's okay. The third one is this. Expect Jesus to speak to you. Look, my friends, you've got to expect him to speak to you because it's all by faith, is it not? Now watch this. Put it up on the screen. It says, for all who are being led by the Spirit of God, these are sons of God. Well, if he's leading me, then he's speaking to me, right? Because he's, he's showing me the way, showing me where to go. I, I need to expect that in my life. I need to look for that in my life. I've got a question for you. How many of you... Um, uh-uh. Think about God off and on all day long. Raise your hand. Before you became a Christian, how much did you think about God? <laughs> Zero. But the moment the Spirit of God came into your life, did you notice how you thought about God all day? Yeah, I wake up thinking about God. I'm through the day, I'm thinking about God. When I go to bed, I'm thinking about God. Why is that possible? Why has that happened? Because the Spirit of God lives in you and He lives in me. Amen. And because he's in there, he's going to lead you, he's going to guide you, he's going to speak to you. He's not going anywhere etched on the hands, remember? And the fourth one is this, be willing to respond. you got to be willing to respond. Now, let me delve into this one. James 1, 2, 2 says this, but prove yourselves, everybody, but prove yourselves, doers, just say right, doers, doers, of the word, not merely hearers who, delude themselves. Have you ever had, drank a, a Coke and you had ice in there and you let it sit for a while and the ice starts to melt and it doesn't taste like Coke anymore or whatever soft drink tastes more like watery, watered down? That's a deluded person. It's not quite full potency anymore. Prove yourself doers of the word. Let me tell you something. If you have trouble hearing the voice of God and what God is saying to you which is not boring, bland, or predictable then maybe, just maybe, just maybe, it's because you got to go back in time to a place where God told you to do something and you didn't do it or you stopped doing what you're supposed to be doing for God. Jonah, maybe you need to get back to it. And God's not going to give you any fresh new direction until you get back and do that. Jonah. So what I'm really asking you or saying is this, what's your current ministry involvement? Because every time God speaks to us, never forget what I'm going to tell you right now. The glory of God is always attached to that. That the ministry of God is always moving through that in your life. That God's going to expand his kingdom through you. When he speaks to you, it's not just about what, it's not just about me or you and what we're going to, it's about God expanding and it's about the glory of God. And it's that simple.
But you got to get back to do what God told you to do. Now, let me try to close this thing up this way. I, I love what I'm going to tell you next. It's my favorite part. Oh, yeah. Adam and Eve, they're in the garden. They have a relationship with God. And then they sin. And relationship is severed. And the world, corruption enters in the world. God comes walking in the garden in the cool of the day in the garden. And he says, Adam, where are you? Because relationship is busted. Jesus comes 4,000 years later, though the prophecy was given in Genesis right through 3.15 that the Messiah would come. But Jesus comes 4,000 years later and he comes and he carries our sin. They nail him to a cross. They brutalize him and they lift him up on the cross nailed. Jesus even made the statement earlier, if I be lifted up from the earth, I will draw all men unto my self. And he's lifted up. It's also a double, a double positive statement in that if you and I live for the glory of God, are we not lifting up the name of Jesus? And we'll draw all men to ourselves. If we're compromising our life wherever we go and compromise it, we will never lift up anyone to Christ. Because we're going to see it as just some other religious thing and we're not real. But if I be lifted up and he carries our sins on his body, sheds his blood to forgive us, to bring us back into relationship with him, and he rises from the dead to give us new life, and now we can enter in that life. Now hold the thought. Remember I told you I was going to talk about Mary Magdalene later on in the message? Here it is. Mary comes to the tomb that day. She's already been there in the early in the morning. She went back and told the disciples, the tomb is empty. They're in shock because they still don't believe he's risen from the dead. They don't believe it. And so Peter and John, they start running. Peter gets the head start and he's running. For whatever reason, we don't know, but I'll speculate. John, meet me, shoots right by him. And he beats Peter to the tomb. And they go in there, and they stoop in, and it says in, and the words for their thinking, for Peter is, he just thought these things. For John, the word is used, he believed when he saw. And then they leave the tomb. Mary Magdalene gave chase. She was right behind him. She came back to the tomb again. She gets there. We read the story at the beginning. And she's crying. The angels talk to her. And then remember, she turns around and bumps into a gardener who was Jesus, actually. And now think about it. What time of the day did she come to that tomb? What? Early morning. Is that cool or hot? Oh, the cool of the day. She bumps into a gardener. If there's a gardener there, therefore you're in a oh, gardener. In the cool of the day, in a garden, and Jesus says, Mary. Adam, after he sinned, it says Jesus always sought him in the cool of the day, in a garden, called him Adam. He broke relationship. Jesus comes, fixes it, and now he comes to Mary in the cool of the day, in a garden, calls her by name. Jesus putting it all back together. Just bring him back to relationship again. Looking for you and looking for me. Not in your notes, but let me read these last verses here. Now watch, here's what he does. Here's, let me put it in one big capsule. 
Here's what Jesus said. To him, the doorkeeper opens and the sheep hear his voice. And he calls his own sheep by name. He knows your name. And leads them out. If he lives in me, he speaks within me to me. He's leading me. I hear his voice. When he puts forth all his own, he goes ahead of them. If God is leading me, then he's always way out in front of me. When they crossed the Jordan and they went to take the city of Jericho, the Ark of the Covenant was way out in front of them. God's always ahead of us. And the sheep follow him because they know his voice. See, we recognize his voice. A stranger, they simply will not follow contradictory voices. Social conditioning, political correctness, etc., etc. Our own voice is not the will of God. But we'll flee from him because they do not know the voice of strangers. I want you by the end of these five weeks to know the voice of God. That you just know. That you just know. That you just know. You know that voice. Stand up with me now.